We're going to talk today about the fullness of the Spirit. We're continuing with this powerful series on the miraculous, on the miraculous. How many of you are functioning more and more in the supernatural as we've been teaching these principles? I see that hand. You can see I'm a real pastor. I see that hand. I see your hand, my brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see you, my sister with the glasses, the sister with the glasses. I see you. I see you, my sister with the royal blue top. I see you. Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you that this morning will not just be mere information, but it will be the impartation of revelation. I thank you, God, that this morning we will be transformed. We will never be the same again because your word is power. Everyone say, your word is power. Your word is power. Your word is power. Oh, older children, please go forth. You're with Uncle Kwaile today. God bless you, older children. Are there any older children around? Go for it. Say, your word is power. Your word is power. How many of you know that the power of God is encapsulated in his word? And that's why if you look at a lot of the miracles that would take place in scripture, they happened after the word was proclaimed. To the degree to which we proclaim the word of God, to the same degree will we experience the power of God. Amen? Word and spirit always work together. Say that to the person next to you, please. Word and spirit, Word and spirit. always work together. Always work together. So we're a word-based church. You don't have to keep saying that. We're a word-based church. And we're also a spirit-based church. You see, some people are spirit, 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 no word. You know the people I'm talking about, right? And other people are word, 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 no spirit. They say, no, we are, we are into things of the Spirit, but with a seatbelt on. How many of you know that you can never have too much of the Holy Spirit? How many of you know that the Trinity, the Trinity is not insecure? Jesus is not insecure about us getting deeper into the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus is not insecure about that. Why? Because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. You know that, to help us to glorify Jesus. The Bible tells us that he will take the things from me, Jesus says, things that are of me and give them to you, so glorifying me. So Jesus is lifted up, he's glorified by the Holy Spirit. The more you are into the Spirit, the more you'll be into Jesus. Amen. Because Jesus points you to, Jesus is pointed to by the Spirit of God. That's why the Bible tells us that the spirit of prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus. True prophecy that is from the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. Anything that you say or do that is spirit-led will point people to Jesus. Amen. So when people do certain things like they're doing today and they say it's by the Spirit of God and then it doesn't lead us to more of Jesus, then it's by a different spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. So this title that I've given this message and I'm going to cover it today and also next week, the fullness of the Spirit, it actually intrigues me. It actually intrigues me because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is not an it. The Spirit of God, the role of the Holy Spirit is to take that which is in heaven and make it an, a reality for us here on earth. When you experience God's power in its fullness, it's because of the Holy Spirit. What makes you effective in this life is because of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So if I want to experience extreme power, I have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? If I want to experience extreme comfort, the comfort 
of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about if I want to experience supernatural wisdom, the Bible tells me that he is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. For me to be effective in this life, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Are you following this morning? I need more of the Holy Spirit. So people say, I'm not experiencing breakthrough. You will experience breakthrough to the degree to which the power of the Holy Spirit is made manifest in your life. Amen? Amen. And if you're not experiencing breakthrough, then begin to ask the question, am I experiencing the fullness of the Spirit in my life or not? The concept of fullness implies that there are degrees of yielding to God's Spirit. Are you following? If we talk about the fullness of the Spirit, if we're not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit, it means that there are limitations to the degree to which we are yielding ourselves to God's Spirit. You see, God's desire is for you and me to be perfect conduits of His Spirit. There are things He wants to do. There are initiatives that He has. And He chooses to work through you and me. But there are things within us that will block that. Amen? And I want to show you over the next couple of weeks, how do you activate more of the workings of the Spirit in your life? How do you do what? I was, I was speaking at uh, Pastor Chooks's um, Powerful Women Academy on Saturday, and I shared with them that something I got from him, just when I listened to some of the stuff he says, he always asks the congregation questions, and I found myself doing it a lot. So how do we do what? How do we? activate the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives because he wants to work you th through you and me. He wants to work through you and me. He doesn't have favorites. Amen? Amen? And we must take responsibility and say, God, how can I yield to you so I experience the fullness of God in my life? It's a powerful quote from The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit by R.A. Torrey. Um, that I want to read to you. What are the distinctive characteristics or marks of personality? I mean, if you know that the Holy Spirit is a person, please never call the Holy Spirit it. Amen? He's a person. And if you look in Scripture, you can actually see the marks of a personality. How I many of you know people feel? If you're a person, you feel. People have likes and dislikes. If you're a person, you have likes and dislikes. The Holy Spirit has all those attributes of a person. Amen? And so we want to build a relationship with him. And so what he says is, what are the distinctive characteristics or marks of personality? Knowledge. They're things he knows, right? Feeling, emotion, and a will. A person has a will. There's the will of the Holy Spirit, right? Any entity that thinks and feels and wills is a person. Isn't that wonderful? And if you've been taught before that the Holy Spirit is just some force, out there you have to unlearn that thinking he's a person amen and he's got certain characteristics and it is interesting it goes on to say herein lies the whole secret of a real christian life say to the person next to you i want a real christian life so here's the secret to a real christian life a life of liberty and joy and power and fullness to have one's ever-present friend and to be conscious that one has as his ever-present friend the Holy Spirit. And then here's the, here's the part I like. And to surrender one's life in all its departments entirely to his control. This is true Christian living. 
What is true Christian living? When I completely yield myself to the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I said to you at the start that God's power is encapsulated in his word. You know what that means? I will experience the power of God in and through my life to the degree to which I speak the words of God. So I must be saying to myself, what are God's words over my wife? And that's all I should be speaking to her. You know what happens? You'll experience more of the release of the spirit in your family and in your household. The thing about a lot of Christians is they get born again. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they forget about the Holy Spirit. They treat the baptism of the Holy Spirit like it's this once-off event. It happened. But how many of you know scripture tells us be continually filled with the Spirit? Why does it say that? For effective and powerful Christian living, I need the Holy Spirit. Say please to the person next to you, I need the Holy Spirit. Let's go a little bit deeper. In Acts chapter 6 verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation. Now you remember the history here. Remember what was happening. There was conflict, okay? They were dishing out things to widows, food, and so on. And there was now conflict between the Hellenic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. Remember that? Right? The Greek Jews and, you know, the Hebrew Hebrews. Right? And there was conflict. And the apostles had been involved in that administrative work. And they said, it's not good for us to focus on this, waiting at tables. We need to do what? We need to dedicate ourselves to the word and to prayer. Acts chapter 6. You've read it, right? Many of you should have read that. But what was interesting was the selection criteria. They said, choose from among you, watch this, seven men of what? Of good reputation. Then what is it going to say? Full of the spirit and of wisdom. So here's my question to you. Are you full of the spirit? Please note, 3,000 of them at Pentecost, a whole lot of them, let's just say a big, big number. Right? They were the guys who were waiting, first of all, right? the 120. Remember when Jesus says, wait until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know, guaranteed, there were at least 120 that had been baptized into the Holy Spirit. Then there were others that got born again and started being baptized into the Holy Spirit. Right? But what is interesting was, amongst these people who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was still this question, can you pick out people who are full of the Holy Spirit? Many of you here in this room, you've been baptized into the Holy Spirit. The question is, on, in your daily life, are you walking completely yielded to the Spirit that people can take note and they say, Ah, Raquel, she is full of the Holy Spirit. And you know what this shows me? If they're saying select people from amongst you who are full of the Spirit, it means that there's some people who just have a low measure of the Holy Spirit. And you know what that measured by? The degree to which you're willing to yield to the Holy Spirit. Is everyone following this morning? Okay? You see, I can be here and I can be a person of good reputation. But to what degree am I full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom? Are you, are you following this morning? Whom we may put in charge of this task. Do you know what this is showing me? That very often when God is picking whom he may use... In this life, he's looking and saying, who is completely yielded to my spirit? That's the person I will entrust with authority to be in charge of certain tasks. And I'm not just talking about tasks in church. 
I'm talking about tasks in society. There are mighty things, exploits that God wants to do in this nation right now, but he's looking. That's why elsewhere it says what? The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, looking for whose heart is? In the King James it says perfect toward him, but what it's really meaning is whose heart is wholly committed to him. Do you know that that's the same as this? Whose heart is full of the Spirit because he's completely and wholly yielded to the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen, please? Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good now. Amen? amen? All right. So what is interesting here is, I want to ask you a question. How full of the Spirit are you? Does this mean that there are some who are half full? How many things do you do full of the Spirit and how many are partly from the flesh? If I look at Christianity today, there are a lot of things that are being done that are partly from the flesh. Amen? Just because you come to a prayer meeting and you're praying in other tongues doesn't mean that you're always full of the Spirit. You're full of the Spirit to the degree to which you're completely yielded to the Spirit. Amen? And you know where you see it? You see it in people who've embraced the multiple dimensions of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, they don't want to just function in the power of the Spirit. They also want to be led by the Spirit. If you look at Jesus, what happened when he was baptized? It says that the Holy Spirit came as a dove, came like a dove and remained upon him. Amen? Then what does it say? It says Jesus was then led by the Spirit to the wilderness. Sometimes we've got this thing that the Spirit only leads us to nice places. Jesus, it says, was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. But then from the wilderness, what does it say? It says he went into Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I don't know about you. I want to experience all dimensions of the Spirit of God. I want to be led by him. I want to be comforted by him. I want to receive his wisdom. So I have to let go of my own fleshly wisdom. Amen. I want to function in his power. Don't limit yourself to just one dimension of the Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 11, verse 22 to 25, it says here, News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Okay? I was about to say, do you know someone called Barnabas? And I know a Barnabas, gentleman over there, wonderful Nigerian gentleman, Paul Barnabas. He's got a really good first name, and this, his surname is also quite cool. Right? Um, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. We know Barnabas means son of encouragement, right? He was a good man. They didn't leave it there. They didn't just say he was a man of good reputation. What else do they say? Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Selection criteria in Acts chapter 6 was choose from amongst you men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. How do they describe Barnabas? He was a good man, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Isn't that powerful? My question to you is can people say that of you? She was a good woman, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It was wonderful to, it's wonderful to see Sally Ann's dad over there. How are you, sir? Awesome. Right? Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Now watch this. It says, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. How are people brought to the Lord? It's not through human words. The Bible says one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is what? He comes to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
It's only the Holy Spirit who can convict. I can say nice words. I can try to be persuasive. But unless I'm doing it from the Spirit, there'll be no conversion. That's why the, 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 what happened last week, remember during the altar call, at a certain point I felt the strong burden was coming from my spirit to speak to people's spirits that were dead and to say, arise in the name of Jesus, come forth. And something happened, something was released. Those were not my own words. And did you see how more people kept on coming, responding and so on? What was happening? It was spirit to spirit. Amen? I want to encourage you, speak words that stem from the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit encapsulates your words, that's where the conviction goes. When the Holy Spirit wraps himself around your words, that's when the change happens. He's the life-giving spirit. Amen? You know that you can say something very simple by the Spirit of God and things happen. There's, there's a gentleman called Ezekiel Guti, okay? A great apostle. Many of you will know him. Hails from Zimbabwe. Okay, and uh, they've got millions and millions of people in their church. But what is amazing throughout the world, one time a friend of mine asked him a question and said, where's your latest church plant? Where have you now planted? How many plants have you got? And he had lost count. He was just like, uh, I think recently in Yemen, in Yemen something was planted. That's, how, that's the mental on his life. Great uh, guy. And what was interesting was a particular friend of mine was at one of his crusades. And he says, it's so amazing because you see this guy, he gets up, he's now, I think, early 90s, right? He's in his early 90s. Um, but he gets up and he's speaking broken English, right, at this particular crusade. And it's sort of like, okay, what exactly is the message? Okay, he's saying this. Okay, that's making sense. That's making sense. At a certain point, this guy's written many books, eh? But when you hear him speak, he's not like this extremely eloquent guy. The moment he started singing in other tongues... Ladies and gentlemen, the atmosphere changed. Amen? That's the mantle on his life. What am I saying to you? It's not about eloquence. It's not about your eloquence. It's not about your big words. It's about making a decision that, Lord, I'm going to be completely yielded. I will only say what you've called me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Especially for those of us who are big talkers. Amen? You know who you are. I know who I am. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Now watch, now, now watch this. It says, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Why? He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. At 7, verse 55, it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, there are things you will see that other people can't see. Amen? I find it interesting. It didn't just say Stephen looked up and saw the heavens. It says full of the Holy Spirit, he did that. Ladies and gentlemen, the dimensions we walk in when we're completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. Now, I look at this and I'm sort of thinking to myself, how did they know he was full of the Holy Spirit? Was it because, remember later on they say, we, we saw him and his face looked like an angel's. As if he was transfigured. You remember when the transfiguration? All right? The glory of God around him. Do you know that the glory of God can be over you, around you, but people can't see it. It doesn't mean that you're not a glory carrier. That's why people said, you know what, the people walked past Peter and his shadow healed them. 
What is that talking about? Peter's shadow healed them. The word that is used there is a similar word for transfiguration. It's a similar word for the glory of God that was around Peter as he walked around. It didn't say everyone could see like a halo over him. I know some people have seen that on certain people. My question to you is what do you carry? What's around you? When people leave your presence, do they feel empowered and energized? When you talk to people, are they reconciled? Is there something of the presence and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life that when you walk into a room, the atmosphere changes? Do people ever say to you, and I know it's like this with a number of you because I've been to your houses, do people ever say to you, wow, there's so much peace here. I remember when I went to Sean and Sunera's house, and I know some of you have been there, to their new place in Barbecue Downs. I remember going there and I was just like, there's so much peace here. And someone had spent the night there and this person had been struggling with their sleep elsewhere. But when they slept at these guys' house, they said, I could just sleep peacefully. That's the glory of God. And let's not underestimate it. The glory of God does not just manifest in church services. Let's believe God. Let's be people full of the spirit and faith where we know that as soon as people walk into my house, reconciliation will happen. As soon as people walk into my space, healing will occur. As, pe as soon as people hear the words of my mouth, things will happen. We've had services here where we say it's a healing service, right? And then I do an altar call for people who are sick. And I notice something interesting because I then say, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? Because it looks like something isn't really happening. And then they say, no, while you were preaching, this is what I felt. Are you, are you following me? Why? When you receive the word of God, you're receiving the power of God. Isn't that amazing? And guys, please don't underestimate what God is doing in this place. It's very, very precious. Tuesday night with the small group leaders, we'll be praying for revival for next year. There's something phenomenal happening. I saw a guy just now before the service. He hasn't been here in a while because he, he works on Sunday mornings and so on. I don't know if that's the main reason. He's a guy who was HIV positive. I remember Pastor Michael and myself, we prayed for him. And then he came with a testimony there. No, I'm now negative. It's all sorted, all fine and so on. I saw him now. He was looking so, so healthy. I said, how's your health? Fine. Are you all clear? I'm all clear. Amen? Amen. So, so it doesn't matter what the disease is. And if you're not yet healed, let's keep pushing through. Let's keep yielding to more of the Spirit so that it happens. Amen. Amen. If you've had bad experiences in the past, don't let that change your theology. But why did I lose this person? Why did this happen in my life? Keep believing God. Amen. Amen. Our theology doesn't change because of our experiences. We are people who are full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Now, I want to I share with you part one, levels of the Spirit's work. Please say to the person next to you, their levels. Amen. You know, I know I usually joke about this whole level thing, but there are actually levels. But the nice thing about it is that you can get to certain levels. Don't limit yourself. Amen? Amen. I had some um, phenomenal experiences this week. Okay? I was at home affairs. And I'll, I think I'll tell you the story a bit later. Let me stay focused, all right? Just remind me, the home affairs story, Paul, right? So level one, level one, what happens? We are born of the spirit at salvation. That's level one. 
I know a lot of people confuse these things, right? In John 3, verse 5 to 8, it says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I tell you. Now, in Hebrew culture, what do they used to do? They would repeat certain words. They'll say it a couple of times to reinforce what they're saying. Amen? So when Jesus says, truly, truly, he really means what he's saying, right? In English now, what we do, we put an ex exclamation mark. They didn't do that back in the day. They would actually just say it twice which I think is sometimes better. I think sometimes people overuse exclamation marks, right? Um, so Jesus answered, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? Guys, don't con yourselves. Don't think you can get to heaven just by being a good person. And he's saying, in case there's confusion about it, let me reinforce it, truly, truly. Yeah? Flesh is born of flesh, but spirit is born of? Spirit is born of? Spirit is born of? Do not be amazed that I said you must be? You must be what? You must be born again. I speak to a number of people that say, are you born again? Yeah, no, I grew up in church. I grew up. Guys, just because you grew up in church, doesn't mean you're born again. Please, let, let that be extremely clear this morning. Amen? Amen? We all grew up in religion. But in order to enter God's family, you're born again into his family. Amen? Amen. If, if you sleep in a barn or a kraal, as we would say in this part of the world, a kraal. If, <laughs> see, I've been studying history with my son, right? If, if you sleep there overnight, does that make you a cow? Does it make you a cow? If you decide, if your wife is upset with you guys and says, go and sleep in the garage. Praise God, that's never happened to me. Hallelujah. But I know it's happened to some of you guys. <laughs> I know all your stories. All right. If you sleep eight hours in a garage, does it make you a cow? So coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Please understand that so that there's no confusion. Amen. Right? Do not be amazed that I said you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So when someone says, Jesus, I receive you into my life, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and regenerates your spirit. Your spirit that was dead becomes alive and becomes God conscious and open to the things of God. God's spirit draws you to himself and regenerates you. That's the first experience of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if someone is born again, but they're not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking other tongues, walking in the power gifts and so on, don't say to them, you don't have the Holy Spirit. No, they are born of the spirit. They are born again of the spirit of God. Everyone following. Second level, second level. You're baptized in the spirit. That word baptized comes from a Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse. And that's why when people are being baptized, like the person today is being baptized, right? I don't know why we like transliteration. What do I mean by that? This is a transliteration from the Greek. The Greek word was baptizo. And then in English, we borrowed that word and we said baptized, which has caused so much confusion. They should have just said what the word meant. Immersed. 
Because then there'll be no confusion and people wouldn't be going around sprinkling people with water and so on. They'll be just saying, have you been immersed? It wouldn't make sense saying, have you been immersed and you've been sprinkled? Are you following? So let's just use the words that Jesus used. So I find it interesting here because in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it's, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, sometimes we use, we use the Holy Spirit like he's an it. But primarily when Jesus spoke about the baptism in the Spirit, this is a second experience, separate from being born again. The only qualification for being baptized in the Holy Spirit is receiving the gift of the Spirit. Amen? And I find it interesting that Jesus says, wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. So can you see the link between the Holy Spirit and power? And he says, being clothed. A lot of Christians are walking around unclothed. A lot of Christians are walking around unclad. A lot of Christians are walking around and in the spirit they've not been clothed with power from on high. How many of you know that if you're a proud person then you don't think you need the power? Because you're relying on your own flesh. How many of you know that for the battles we have to fight in this life, we need power from on high? How many of you know that there's certain business deals for them to work out, you need power from on high. The Bible says, I will give him hidden riches in dark places. There's wealth for you that's in dark places. Amen? I will break the, uh, the iron gates. What is happening? What is happening? You need a, an anointing for certain breakthroughs. But it can only happen when you're clothed with power from on high. Amen? Who wants to be clothed with power from on high? Okay? Very important. Very important. So what's happening is you might look nice on the outside today. And we look at you and your friends have been saying, oh, nice outfit. <laughs> right? Nice hairstyle. But in the spirit, you are naked. <laughs> Amen? In the spirit, you're not clothed. And demons can see it and they're not afraid of that. In the spirit realm, a lot of Christians are not clad. They're not clothed. Clad as shoes, right? Is it everything? Okay. Cool. And I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Do you know what's so powerful about this? The Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been promised by God. Does God break his promises? Ladies and gentlemen, this is covenantal language. He didn't say, ah, you know what, Louisa, you performed really well when you treated your family really nicely and you visited them the other week. Therefore, I will now clothe you with my power. He didn't say that. He says, I'm going to give you the gift that the Father has promised. You know why a lot of Christians aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit? When they come forward for prayer, they feel like, I don't qualify. Their mindset is, this is for someone else. Eee, tongues. Especially if you've been taught that, no, tongues are not for today. Hey, maybe, maybe you'll give me a demon. That's why Jesus says, surely the Father, surely will give you the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. Will you give scorpions to your kids when they ask for eggs? Will you give them snakes? And Jesus addresses that, doesn't he? So, and he says, surely the Father will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. What we're going to do at the end of the service is we're going to give you an opportunity if you want to be baptized into the Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 to 5. 
not 45, 4 to 5. Some people don't hear properly, so I just wanted to say that. And when they were gathered together, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised. In other words, this speaks to those people who think, but it's okay, Jesus is fine with me stepping out even without the power. You know what happens? You get burnt out. When you step out, but you're not clothed with his power, you get burnt out and then you end up disillusioned. And Jesus is saying, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and then go out. Don't do it without my Holy Spirit. Amen? Problem with a lot of Christians today, our mindset is God will still be impressed with me if I do it, even though I wasn't doing it yielded to his spirit. Are you following this morning? He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me discuss. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 18, verse 15 to 17 says, on their arrival, they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Some of you here in this room, you've been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. You are born again. You are born again. But have not yet been clothed with power from on high. And you're going to have that opportunity at the end of the service. Amen. Okay. Um, and I'm going to carry on. And it says here, they'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John did what? laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Not demons, they received the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 14. The body is a unit, though it is comprised of many parts. And although its parts are many, they all form one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, what is that? That is, we were born again. Then he says, and we were all given one spirit to drink. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're given one spirit to drink. For the body does not consist of one part, but of many. What's the third level in terms of our experience of the Holy Spirit? We've spoken about being born of the Spirit. Amen. Then we spoke about being baptized into the Holy Spirit. But there's a third dimension that applies to many of us here. And there's a specific anointing to minister the specific anointing to minister it's when god clothes you with power but for a specific type of ministry right this is where you feel like you've become another person have you ever had it when there's someone who's usually shy and very quiet and so on but then when they get up and grab the microphone it's as if it's another person Okay, it's a specific anointing to minister or someone who usually just hangs out, chills with everyone else, cracks a lot of jokes, but then they get the microphone and the prophetic hits them. It's a specific anointing to minister. How has God specifically anointed you to minister? All right. In Acts chapter four, verse seven to eight, it says they had Peter and John brought in and began to question them. How many of you have been questioned lately? At work, you've been questioned. Okay. Then they said, but by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. My question to you is when you were questioned by people or intimidated by people, when you responded, did you respond filled by the Spirit or did you respond in the flesh? 
What happens a lot is a lot of Christians react to people's reactions. A lot of times we're in reaction mode and that short circuits the anointing. It short circuits the power of God. Jesus did only what he saw the Father doing. He spoke all the time by the Spirit of God and got those results. Amen. All right. So it says here, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Now this, this, this is massive. These are the stalwarts in that arena. If we are being examined today about a kind service to a man who was lame to determine how he was healed, and he continues. This is the same Peter, ladies and gentlemen, who ran away, who was in denial about his walk with Jesus when that slave girl accused him. Do you remember that? And now he's been filled with the Holy Spirit and he's now addressing the rulers and elders with such boldness. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He gives you boldness. Some of you have been friends with fear for so long in your life. And the Spirit of God comes because he's, a spirit, he's the Spirit of might. And he comes and you're clothed with them with a specific anointing to minister. And whenever you minister under that anointing, what happens? The Spirit of boldness is upon you. And what you want is to minister from that place more and more. Amen? So right now as I stand before you, there's no ounce of fear in my bones. Some of you, we give you the mic and it's stage fright. Amen? There's no ounce of fear. I'm not thinking, what does this person think of me? What does that person think of me? Your opinion of me won't shape my destiny. Amen? Are you understanding? And I want to encourage you to walk in that. God's spirit is the spirit of boldness, the spirit of power, the spirit of might. Some of you, there are breakthroughs your organization needs and God is looking and he's waiting and he's saying, please, can you help out your company? But because of the spirit of intimidation, you hold back. That's not from God. Amen? That's not from God. Let me give you an example. I've been talking a bit about John G. Lake, right? The guy who founded AFM here, Apostolic Faith Mission, here round about the turn of the century. He came in 1908, right? We've been talking a bit about him. But he shares something interesting. And this is what he writes. This is what he said. He says, in 1908, now remember he's from the States, right? He was from the States. And he came through as a missionary here to South Africa. Are you ready to hear this? This is so powerful. It shows you the specific anointing to minister. In 1908, I preached at Pretoria. Come on. Where are we right now? Okay, so if God could move in 1908 through John G. Lake right here, he can do the same, right? Over 100 years later, right? In 1908, I preached at Pretoria, South Africa. When one night, God came over my life in such power, in such streams of liquid glory and power that it flowed consciously off my hands like streams of electricity. Like what? Streams of electricity. I would point my finger at a man and that stream would strike him. When a man interrupted the meeting, I pointed my finger at him and said, sit down. He fell as if struck and lay for three hours. When he became normal, they asked him what happened. And he said, something struck me that went straight through me. I thought I was shot. Let me just tell you something. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
right? And you're ministering under the power of the Spirit. It's not just for people to feel nice. I know that there's this teaching about gentle Jesus, meek and mild, but there are times when you do certain things by the Spirit of God, when the glory of God is in our midst, that can sometimes seem a bit harsh, especially when someone is disrupting a meeting and so on, but that's the working of the Spirit. There's not a limit what the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. Okay, and I'm going to show this to you in Scripture also. It's not just a John G. Lake thing, right? And what I find interesting, it says, it says that, and the person thought he was shot. And he goes on to say, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I ministered to 65 sick, sick people. 65 sick people who were present. And the streams of God that were pouring into my hands were so powerful, the people would fall as, if, as though they were hit. See, they didn't have all the lingo we have nowadays, right, around these things. She says, the people would fall as though they were hit. I was troubled because they fell with such violence. It's nice in meetings when you see that. You see that it's not because the pastor or preacher is pushing them down, right? <laughs> you know, those people are like, I've been in situations where it's like the guy like, sort of really wants me to go down, and I'm not feeling it. I know God is doing something, but you know, I don't have to always go down. And I remember the one time what happened to me, one guy was praying for me and then he said, and he knew me, and he said, you see, just don't resist. You know, some of you intellectual sort of people, you know, like you start resisting and you start analyzing. I'm like, dude, and I'll be honest with you, it was, this was way back, okay? But at a certain point I did, I faked it. I didn't have to actually fall back, but there was this pressure, everyone around me had fallen. And I was like, okay, Lord, let me just let go. Let me just let go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, my bad, my bad. All right? There was pressure. But the point I'm making is it's powerful when you know that it's God who's done it. And then many times we pray for people and you see them just rolling back and you've barely touched them. Amen. All right? Yeah, some people do fake it. <laughs> At least I'm admitting I once did. Many years ago. You know with pastors, when it comes to sin in their lives, it's always, it's always many, many years ago. Many, many, many years ago when I was a young Christian. Many, many, many years ago. And then when they give me examples, let's say they had a fight with their wife. Many, many years ago when my wife and I, as if they don't fight even like this last week. <laughs> Have you noticed that? The worst is when pastors act like they don't have sex with their wives. Have you noticed? Sorry, can I go there? You know, you see this guy never touches his wife. There's no public display of affection like this. But you can see a troop of about seven kids following behind. Like, dude. What, dude? Everyone knows you've done it before. You know what that is? That's the, that's the religious spirit. Huh? That's the religious spirit. Come on. Okay. So then he, he continues to speak. He says, I was troubled because they fell with such violence. And the spirit said, you do not need to put your hands on them. This is a specific word for a specific time. Keep your hands a distance away. And when I held my hands a foot from their heads, they would crumble and fall in a heap on the floor. They were healed, almost everyone. Amen? That's the power of God, right? Now, watch this in scripture, Acts chapter 13, 8 to 12. It says, but Elimas, anyone know someone called Elimas? Elimas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means. Imagine having a name like that. Opposed them. He was opposing the gospel. And tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, better name, filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you see? 
He didn't just do this in the flesh. Don't do this in the flesh. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said a whole lot of nice things to Elymas. No. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you're a child of the devil. Now, some of you are going to try and do that to you in the flesh, to an uncle you don't like. You're a child of the devil. No, that's in the flesh. It says, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to Elymas, you're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul, look at the fruit of this. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now guys, this has happened before. There was a healing evangelist back in the 50s and people were mocking him, right? In fact, he came down to South Africa and he was ministering and literally someone was mocking him behind him, like acting all blind and so on. And he basically could see with spiritual eyes. And he says, see the plight of a mocker. And the person was then struck with the very blindness that they were pretending to have. So these things happen by the spirit of God. Amen? a specific anointing to minister so there are dimensions of the anointing and we look at this word the anointing in scripture there's one hebrew word for it that i want to cover with you and and then we'll move on from there it's suk s-u-k this is like oil poured out like olive oil like salad dressing right and it's a type it's a word translated anointing when god anointed david to kill a bear how many of you know that David didn't need that anointing when he was sleeping? He didn't, that, he didn't need that anointing when he was playing the harp. He needed a specific anointing, spirit of might, to kill the bear. That's a level of the anointing. I'm talking about levels of the spirit this morning. That's a level of functioning with God. It's very temporary, isn't it? And in the Old Testament, you'll see that the Holy Spirit would come upon them temporarily. Now watch this. There's another word that is used. And it's, it's a word that is actually used quite a bit, speaking of the anointing in the Old Testament, and it's the word masak. Masak. M-A-S-A-C-H. This is being smeared with God. It was when a king would be anointed for his kingly ministry. It was also temporary, wasn't it? Because he wasn't king for the rest of his life. And how many of you know that you have to linger a bit longer to be smeared, right? By God with God, by his spirit, okay? You have to stand around long enough to actually be smeared and have, have the anointing rubbed on you. So a consecrated person, like a king, like a priest, would experience this level of the anointing. There were specific victories that were won because someone had an experience of masak. Say to the person next to you, masak. And they'll think you're spiritual, okay? Go and say to the person, go, go and say to your friends at work, have you been massacred? Okay. <laughs> okay. What's that? What's this word? It's a Hebrew word we learned about. Smeared. Okay. And then in the Greek, in the New, in the New Testament, there's the word chrisma. Chrisma. All right. Um, when we're talking about the Christ, the anointed one, okay, is the same root word. And that's the rubbing, right? 
by his Holy Spirit into our entire being. And this is where Jesus says the anointing will remain with you. So the anointing is not something that keeps coming and going. I just go deeper and deeper and deeper into him. He's a person. Amen? Amen. Amen. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop here. Next week, I'm going to talk about the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. Okay? And I'll continue. Also next week, I'll talk about how to increase the, the Spirit's activity in our lives. And I'm going to actually give you some keys to that. Practical things you can do. Ten practical things to increase the working of the Spirit in your life. Very powerful stuff.